Uh, welcome back to another episode of the Gap Down Backer podcast. Uh, today we have uh, former college uh, special teams and defensive coordinator uh, Rock Bellantoni. Uh, Coach, how are you doing? Doing, doing good, Nick. Thanks for having me, man. Really excited to be here today and share some knowledge. No problem, Coach. I, I appreciate wanting to come on. Anytime I can talk to uh, some coaches with some good experiences, it's always, a, a, I think, a good opportunity. Um, for people who may not know who you are or not had a chance to listen to you or talk to you before, uh, do you want to kind of um, ex- I'll go through how you, I mean, you got to your most recent stop where you prior last season were the uh, special teams coordinator at uh, Utah State. Sure. Yeah. Um, well, it might take a couple hours. I've been doing this <laughs> a lot longer than the, I, I like to say I'm experienced. I'm not old. So, I, you know, I, I feel like I'm 30, not not as old as I am. I'm not going to say that loud. But anyway, so I grew up outside New York City. I went to UMass, played at UMass for two years, and then transferred to Iona. Iona College is undefeated in football in the last 15 years since they dropped the program. Um, And then I wanted to get started in coaching, and I didn't really have any guidance. And, uh, you know, I wanted to make a little bit of money. So I went to a high school, Mamaronick High School, outside New York City, near where I grew up. Did that for two years. I was an in-school suspension teacher and a coach, and I coached football, wrestling, and baseball, and I was miserable. Um, I finally, after two years of sending out resumes, got a job as a GA at Buena Vista, a division three school in Iowa, uh, being from New York, I had no idea where Iowa was, um, took a leap of faith and went out there. I spent three seasons at Buena Vista as a D line coach. Um, it was a good three year experience. I did a lot of growing up, made some mistakes, learned from them, met my wife there. Um, and our head coach at BV had come from Drake. So, he helped me get to Drake University. I was there three years, two as a D-line coach, one as the coordinator and linebacker coach. That's where I really cut my teeth in coaching, really. I mean, the guys, I, I replaced Jay Neiman, who was who was at Iowa now. Uh, Dave Dorn took over as a defensive coordinator. That's who I went to work for, who was the NC State coach. Charlie Partridge was there. Chris Ash was there. Uh, Brendan Daly was our tight ends coach. He's now the D-line coach of the Chiefs and has won like four Super Bowl rings. Uh, <laughs> Rob Ash went to Montana State, took a bunch of, you know, Noah Joseph had been a player for us, was a coach at Indiana, Rutgers. I mean, just a, a, a lot of guys that, you know, we, we were all about the same age. We learned a lot about football and uh, had a blast. Uh, and that's where I met most of my contacts. So I was there three years and then uh, went to Eastern Illinois. I worked as, as a uh, uh, on one of those committees with Roy Whitkey, who was the offensive coordinator at Eastern Illinois. And he helped me get the D-line job there in 2001. That was Tony Romo's junior year. Um, so I was there as a D-line coach for one year. Then I became the coordinator in 2002. So for the next 10 years, I was a D coordinator at Eastern. I was the assistant head coach. I was the, I was the head coach for a couple of weeks when uh, our head coach got sick. Uh, had a long run there, man. You know, I, I probably looking back stayed there too long. They they promised me the last four years I was there that I'd be the head coach when our head coach retired, but it didn't work out. We uh, he hung on a little bit too long. God rest his soul. And uh, you know, we went two and nine, two and nine. Jimmy Garoppolo's first two years. So uh, then Dino Babers came in and, and you know went on a run with the the guys that we raised as pups. So good for them. So anyway, I went from. Uh, Eastern Illinois to Villanova. I was a D-line coach and special teams coach at Villanova. That was a time when Villanova was transitioning to the Big East. And then that fell through a few months after I got there, uh, but had a great two-year run at Villanova. We won the CAA. Um, and Coach Talley was an awesome guy to work for. I learned a lot. You know, when I do get to be a head coach, I'll run my program like he did. It was awesome. 
Then after two years there, uh, Charlie Partridge, you know, I hired him at Eastern Illinois to be the D-line coach. He hires me to be the D coordinator at FAU a few years later. It's crazy how things work out. And we were there for three years. And, uh, you know, we didn't have a great first year. We were okay. We had a bunch of injuries. Uh, but then in the second year, we were the most improved defense in the country. We went up like 70 spots in total defense and had a great year. And they gave me a two-year contract. Um, and then after his third year, it just you name it, we went through 14 linemen. Uh, I, I had six Mike linebackers that third year we were there. We had a bad year and they let Charlie go. So that was, you know, unfortunate because we were really building something good. And then Lane Kiffin came in and, and took off with the guys that we, we brought in. So, um, <clears throat> but after Charlie got let go, I was looking for a job. I was probably going to, you know, I had a couple of things. I was going to take one of them. My wife had cancer. So I had to take the spring of 2017 off uh, to take care of her and make sure she was okay. And then uh, that was the year they added the 10th assistant. So Lance Leipold, who I met a number of years before that, held a job for me, really. Um, and my wife was healthy. So I left them in Florida. I went up to Buffalo for two years as uh, the DN's coach and the special teams coordinator and, you know, really had a, a big hand in what we did on defense there. And, uh, you know, we were 2-10 and 10 the year before I got there. And then we went 6-6 six and six and then 10-4 and four my last year there. Out of the blue, we got a call from Tracy Clays, who we had, I had coached against. He was at Southern Illinois. I was at Eastern Illinois. And just the mutual respect. And he, he, he offered me the linebacker job at Washington State. And that was, that was awesome. I was fired up. Went out to Washington State in February. Um, <clears throat> we got off to a good start that year. And then uh, in the fourth game of the year against UCLA, we were up 42-13 to 13 and towards the end of the third quarter. And we blew that lead and ended up losing 67-63. Uh, the next week we lost to Utah on the road and, uh, and, and, and then coach Clays had, had walked away, stepped down. And so coach Leach promoted me, you know, we, we had a, a few day, it was rough, man. It, it was a tough time. Our kids' confidence was shot. They were all over the place. Uh, schematically, we were all over the place a little bit. And, uh, you know, we, we met about a lot of things for a couple of days and coach Leach pr promoted me to defensive coordinator and I'll be forever grateful for that opportunity. Um, you know, it was rough, man. It was, it was one of the tougher years of my coaching career just because it was, we were all over. We were a mess. Um, but anyway, we rallied the troops and we got to a bowl game. We lost to Air Force, who was 11 and 2 that year. They were a hell of a football team. And then uh, Coach Leach got the Mississippi State job. Well, the way Coach Leach does it, the, the D coordinator is the head coach of the defense. So the defense coordinator hires the staff. He, he, he does all the recruiting. And so I was doing all that for him at Washington State. I understood he couldn't take me to Mississippi State as a coordinator. We, we didn't do enough on the field to, to, uh, to, you know, to make him do that. So he hired a guy that coached my position. And, and so he didn't have room for me as a position coach or the coordinator. So I was kind of left out in the cold there. And that was after the cycle had really come through for hiring. So Luckily, in uh, February and March, um, the coach, Gary Anderson at Utah State, I had Bodie Reeder was the offense coordinator who played for me and then worked for me at Eastern Illinois, helped me get a job there um, as a special teams coordinator and tight ends coach. Well, you know, then COVID hit. And uh, so I didn't get to to uh, Logan until, you know, full time until July. So you know, we, we didn't really do a whole lot. I coached the tight ends for about two weeks. And then Coach Anderson came to me and said, look, I need your help on defense. We, 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 uh, we need some help over there. Uh, I need you to come help me straighten some things out. So I moved over. They didn't really have a position, but I was a special teams coordinator. And then when Stacy Collins got, we, you know, he had, uh, 
don't know if it's politically correct. He had COVID, so <laughs> he missed a couple of weeks, and I got to run the defense. Uh, so, you know, two years, back-to-back years, taking over a defense in the middle of the year, it, it really helped me grow. I, I mean, I've learned a lot the last two years. And then uh, Coach Anderson stepped away or got fired. Um, I'm not sure how you look at it. And after the third game and the second year of his contract, and the other coach Anderson, Blake Anderson, came in, had his own staff, and that's understandable. And didn't have room for me, and and that's kind of where we're at right now. You know, I've had a, a number of things fall through, and I'm uh, just waiting to find my next opportunity. I'll tell you what, whoever gets me is getting the best version of me. I've never been so motivated, so uh, fired up to get back going. Once I hit the grass, I'm, my hair is going to be on fire. Uh, on the field coaching and in recruiting, it's going to someone's going to be getting a guy with a lot of experience who's who's refreshed like a 27 year old coach. I can't wait. So. But right now, we'll talk defense with you, man. Now, uh, the first thing I want to get into before we get into, like, some linebacker play, and you're going to show some stuff towards the end. Um, what uh, – this will be pretty much two questions. And one is, what is it like taking over midseason since you've done it twice now as a D.C.? And then what what did you kind of learn from that ex- those experiences? Oh, that's, that's – I'm glad you asked that. I, I learned so much. Uh, and I was reading all my notes – just looking back the other day on my notes that I took down after the season in 2019. Um, so, you, you know, what we ran was similar to what I had done in the past, but it wasn't exactly the same. And there was a lot more scheme. So, and, um, and it changed from week to week. We made a lot of changes. So then when I took over, I really, I cut out a bunch of things that we did. Uh, we as a staff did, we cut out a bunch of things and then um, really tried to narrow our focus and get good at a few things. Um, and fit those to kind of, you know, kind of mesh what I believe in with what we were doing there. Because when you're, when you're a position coach, you do what the coordinator wants. So what we didn't, what I didn't like, I just kind of cut, cut out and kept the things that I did like. And, uh, you know, but the the thing you learn about is your whole, it's, it's not just the season, right? I mean, preseason camp and during the season, it's the off season program. It's the tackling fundamentals that you would work on this time of the year or in January, February, the uh, blow blow delivery destruction drills that we would do in January, February. It's a year round thing. It's the structure of your spring practice walkthrough time. When you coach for coach Leach, it's all air raid. It's all spread, right? There's no run game. So you have to walk through those run fits and get really good at them. And we never, we didn't do enough of that. Um, So during the season, you're playing catch up on some things that you really should have been doing all through the off season. And and uh, and we didn't get a chance to do that. I, I, if I would have had a second chance at Washington State, I think could have made a big difference and done a lot better. So, but you know, then you're meshing. There's some things that you haven't called, and and you're, you've got your terminology that you're having on this side, and the terminology we've been using, and you're up in the box, and you got your call sheet, and there's you know, there's a lot of things going on, right? So it's it wasn't easy, man. But I'm telling you, it was the best coaching job I ever did in 2019. It really was. Um, this year was was a little bit easier because um you know we, we, we were doing a lot of the things that i believed in and it, the system we had you know coach aranda's system basically with uh coach crinch's system they're very similar just a couple little tweaks here and there so it was a lot easier taking over this year because it was things that i was used to doing from washington state so uh but still you, you know you don't know you're not watching when you're when you're coaching the linebackers at washington state you don't know what all the dbs can do in the d-line and then you're, you're calling the defense and you're not really sure what you have until you're really paying attention more to those aspects, right? Instead of just getting your guys ready. Um, same thing at, at Utah State. I, 
you know, you kind of, since I didn't have a position, I could kind of watch a little bit more, but I didn't really know what those guys were capable of doing. And you're putting a lot of blind trust in them. So you just do the best you can, man. You put your head down and plow, plow through it. And, uh, and we ended up playing the two best games of the season. So I'm, I'm pretty happy with how it turned out in that respect. Good coach. And like I said, we've talked before we came on, anytime a coach either gets fired or chooses to leave, it kind of creates things. It's difficult and it's it's unfortunate at times. So, um, but I want to kind of get get into. Let, let, I mean, you mentioned a lot of what you believe. What 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 does the base front structure and coverage structure uh, of what of your ideal system look like? Sure. Well, I, I got a PowerPoint. Is it okay yeah, if I go to that? Yep. Go because I I wanted to talk about some things, um, some things that might. Uh, help people not in one scheme or another, but just in general philosophy. Okay. Okay. Uh, so I'll just go through this and you stop me, stop me as we go. But you know, here, here's regardless of what you're coaching, man, here, here's the people that matter to me, the people in the building that I work with every day and the people at home, that's all that really mattered to me. So that's always my title slide. And I got the coog thing still up there. So I apologize about that. Hey, coach, um, that's the place you've been. I'd, I'd be, be proud yeah. of you. I still identify as a coog. <laughs> so, um, so anyway, like when, when you're coordinating a defense, structuring a defense, you know, regardless of what scheme you believe in, really, you got to, what do we stand for? When people click on that tape, what do we want them to see yeah. about our defense? So for me, it's 11 guys playing as one, 11 as one. I mean, there's some schemes where, you know, you may be encouraged to, to run under a block to make a play or, uh, you know, that you get a certain blitz scheme where you're out scheming them. I, I really believe it takes 11 guys playing together as one to have a chance to be good. When they click on our tape, I want them to see us playing fast because we don't keep, we keep it simple enough where they can play fast. They can play smart. They know the down and distance, the situation in the game. They're really physical and they're flying around having a lot of fun because that's why we got into this business. That's why we played the game when we were little kids because it's fun. So let's have some fun. Let's, yeah, the blitzes is fun. The fits are fun, all that stuff. Let's have some fun. And then I want our defense to play confident, prepare like a pro and rely on your training and cut it loose. So that you're building confidence in practice and meetings and things like that. And then you're cutting it loose on game day. We keep it simple. Uh, that may maybe not seem as simple as, as we think it is sometimes, but we try to anyway, but that's, that's what I think you need to know. What, what do you want them to see when you click the film on? That's what I want them to see about our defense. Okay. All right. So, you know, goals, been doing this a long time. This, you know, back in the mid mid to late nineties, you know, we'd come up with goals, three yards or less per carry, believe it or not, 14 points or less was the goal. If you gave up 250 yards back then it was good. Right. And you got all these goals. Um, and you know, number one, they're not realistic anymore, but number two, the right corner and the left D tackle are not thinking about how many yards you gave up on the previous play. They're thinking about getting the call, getting lined up, yep. doing their job. And honestly, who cares how many yards you gave up on the last, last play? We have to win the next play. So I've gone away from all that quality control stuff. Now there's some something, I mean, there's some benefits you can learn from. We've got to be better on first down or third down or whatever the case may be. But Really, what I want to talk to the players about all the time is not all that thinking about how many yards we're giving up. Yeah. But, you know, what we want to do in every game is, number one, keep the opponent off the scoreboard, keep as many points off the scoreboard as possible. We're going to stop the run, make offenses one-dimensional. Now, that's not like back in the back in the day when it was nine-man boxes and daring them to throw the ball. But if there's going to be conflict, 
between that overhand guy or the mic in three by one sets or the backside safety uh, or the post safety in, in run pass con there's gonna be conflict with somebody. These offensive coaches are good. We're going to err on stopping the run yeah. first and making them put the ball in the air. That that's what I mean by that. Minimize big plays. I think big plays, explosive plays, third downs and uh, red zone defense are, if you can minimize big plays, play great in the red zone, and get off the field on third down, you're going to win a ton of now, games, especially when you work for Mike Leach. What, what right? do you he, what do you define? Because uh, I love asking this question, whether it's with offensive or defensive coaches, and people that are probably listening to this probably get annoyed at this point. This question, but what do you classify as a big or explosive play? Everybody's got a different yeah. answer on that. Yeah. And I'm always curious what everybody's answer response is to that. I think it's pretty subjective, right? You yeah. know, fourth and five, and they gain six is is an explosive play to me. Right. Uh, if it's normal downs, a run over 12, a pass over 16 is explosive. OK, so that, that's that's kind of how we categorize that. Yeah. But uh, it's uh, it's kind of like, you know, it when you see it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to use the analogy. It's probably probably not PG-13. But, <laughs> I, I, uh, I know exactly where, what you mean by that. <laughs> yes, I do. So, you know, if we can minimize those big plays, we've got to be great tacklers. Tackling is harder now than it's ever been in football. Those offensive skill guys are so good now. Um, and they're playing seven on seven all the time and they're working on their shake moves and got to be great tacklers. Uh, we have to create takeaways and scoring opportunities for our offense. Either we score on defense or get them the ball back. And then we got to win the critical downs, third and fourth down and play great red zone defense. Those are our yeah. defensive objectives. So when we're, you know, structuring our defense, it's got to be able to stop the run, but not at a point where we're going to give up a ton of big plays, right? Yeah. We, we want to take, we want to create takeaways, but it's not because we're a blitz and cover zero every time. And then, you know, a, a good chunk of our practice time better. If, if, if I'm talking about stopping them on third, fourth down and playing great red zone defense, we better spend some time practicing those plays. Right. So I think as you structure your defense, you need to keep in mind what you want to get done. And then you've got to have a real uh, critical mind for how much time you're spending on each thing. So all right. So philosophy, you know, again, when you're building your defense, I, I think we're going to put the best 11 defensive players on the field. Um, you know, the, the best 11, not the 11 best, not the 11 most talented, but the best 11 that play together, right. That do their job within the scheme and, and uh, help us win games. We're going to stop the run first. Like I said earlier, we're going to be multiple, but simple with our alignments and techniques. Okay. The simplicity I think leads to confidence and aggressiveness and you can drill all the takeaway drills you want to drill and all that stuff. I think takeaways are from confidence, flying around, knocking the crap out of somebody, being aggressive, making plays on the football. That's, you know, and I think that comes down to being simple so that you can do those things. We're going to be sound in everything we do. And that's one thing, uh, maybe I've been a little too sound in my career because I see some things on film, guys, you know, two guys in one gap, nobody in this gap, the post safeties dropping down to play Mike linebacker on the snap. I, you know, I just think you need to be sound with everything you do or you're not giving your kids a chance to learn football, number one, and execute at a high level. Well, uh, We don't want to beat ourselves. Also, sound is kind of subjective depending on the athletes you have. Like, right, I yeah. Mean, like the DN that can shuffle and play both yeah. quarterback and dive, right? Yeah, when you have those freak athletes that can just do multiple things, you, you, you can be a little more I – don't, I don't know how to necessarily phrase this. There, there's generic, like, base gap sound, and then there's – or sound because he's able to do two things at once because he's going to be an NFL draft pick one day. That's I mean True. that's let's be honest. We and at the high school level, it's like I can be sound. There's sound, and then there's I got a Division One kid that plays Mike linebacker, and he can make up for a lot of stuff if I if I absolutely yep. need him to. He's an eraser. Yeah, yeah they love those guys. Um, 
but what, what I, what I don't want is to have, you know, uh, a play happen and the head coach or somebody says, well, what happened on that play and not be able to give him an yeah. answer of who messed up. Right. Yeah. Um, generate takeaways, get the ball back for the offense. I think importance of three and outs. I think three and outs are huge. Um, they're not exactly takeaways, but the, they happen so infrequently now in football. They used to be wanting to get it over half the possessions per game. Yeah. Um, but I think the big plays happen when the defense is tired. So if we can get out, get off the field on three and outs, control the sudden change situations, right? You know, we, we don't want to give up a touchdown in those situations especially if you're in bad field position, have a great awareness of run pass. Again, playing smart um, situations, take pride in defending our end zone, great red zone defense with discipline, no foolish penalties, take pride in playing penalty free and then be consistent, do all of these things above on a consistent basis. And then I think, again, it goes back to that win every play mentality. The last play is over, win the next play, compete, do your job the best you can on the next play. And if it's not fun, man, it ain't worth doing play with excitement, yeah enthusiasm effort have fun enjoy the game i think that's uh, my delete defensive velocity okay so you know when, when you're doing the game goals and you everybody does it everybody has a goal board you put them all up there um and i did this on special teams too to me it's about outplaying the defense the opponent's defense um it might be a real rainy windy day and you know holding them to 21 points might be a bad thing right i mean yeah then it might be an offensive day really where okay for whatever reason you know like that ucla game if, if we would have held in the 62 we'd have won the game but we, we didn't right so um everything i talk about is outplaying the opponent's defense and that starts number one with winning right now this play let's get 11 pluses on this play everybody do their job on this play okay number two these are the critical things to me being plus one in takeaways if they have if they get a takeaway on defense on the other sideline Every time we come to the sideline, we're going to talk about we got to get one to get even, and then we got to get another one to be plus one. We're yeah. trying to outplay the opponent's defense. We talk about that a lot. Third down, want to win that 70% of the time or more. You know, third and short's going to be easier for them to get than third and long. So I think if you win seven out of 10 of those, you're getting off the field, you're doing a pretty good job. And then play great red zone defense. If we can keep, you know, hold them to no touchdowns on 60% of the time or not. So they get to the red zone five times in a game and we stop them for, you know, we hold them to two touchdowns and three field goals. If you have a good offense, you're going to win that football game. Um, score or set up two scores. That's with takeaways, or it could be a three and out when they're backed up and they get a short field. We, we count that as a setup score and then keep, you know, keep points off the board. Outplay the opponent's defense. Like I said, I mean, whatever it is, blocking a field goal, uh, stopping them on third down to hold them to a field goal, keep as many points off the board as you can. And I know that's not, that doesn't fit into the cookie cutter goals that everybody wants to have. But again, they're not thinking about those things during the game. They should be thinking about winning this play right now, right? Getting yeah. a plus on this play and okay. They got a takeaway when I'm going, going in to, to be the second guy in, I should be thinking about stripping the football because I got to get it back for the offense. Hey, it's third down. This is an urgency down. I better play a little bit more with a little more urgency we got our backs to the wall in the red zone, man. We got to, we got to buckle up here, put our cleats in the ground and keep them out. And then, uh, and keeping those are things I think they can control, right? Those other things, the, the yards and all that, I don't think, you know, the right corner can't, can't do what the defensive end does. So just do your job. So, um, right, wrong or indifferent. That's, that's kind of how I feel. Okay. So now into scheme, right? So we talked about, you know, building a defense and again, uh, 
you know, over the course of my career, when I was at Eastern Illinois, you're there for 10 years as a coordinator. You can recruit to your system, build in that system. Uh, we were a four down front all the time. And, uh, you know, it maybe had, had, you know, my head buried in the sand and all that. But then when you take over somebody else's defense halfway through, you better be able to adjust. Um, when I went to Villanova, we were a three, three, five back to FAU. We were, you know, Wisconsin background. So we were four down front all the time. And then when I went up to Buffalo, we, we, we kind of morphed a little bit into some three down stuff out of a four down front and then, and then took it a little bit further at Washington state, a little bit further at Utah state. So I think, you know, I'd like to be more multiple than I was uh, 10 right. years ago, for sure. Uh, I used to paint it into a box. And I think ideally now I, I can structure if the head coach wants to be four down, we can structure it to be four down easily. But I think ideally, I think the guys that can bounce in and out of four down fronts and three down fronts, and we were doing the move call and all that, that, that Grinch brought to Washington state. I loved it. I thought it was awesome. Uh, I think it creates a little bit of confusion for the offense. It just slows them down a little bit. So I, I believe in a multiple uh, scheme now. now so we, now, we have a, coach for, yeah. for putting that together. Is it more personnel packages or is it a, no. you always have this hybrid guy on the field that you can a, adjust him as needed? Good question. I'm glad you asked it. I, uh, I, I think you need to do as much as you can out of the same personnel group. Okay all across the board. There's too much tempo now on third downs. Even you can't even get your third down defense in there anymore. Um, now certain personnel, when, when they switch, you switch. So yeah. if they put in 12 or 21, instead of having the nickel in there, you can put in a third linebacker. Right. Uh, and those are interchangeable, but I, I, I like to keep as much as possible in, in, unless it's a real special, like two minute or something like that. Keep the same personnel on the field all the time. I just think it, it gives you a better chance. Um, so we have an end, the end goes to the field. The D end goes, to the, he's the D end that goes to the field. He could be in a four eye. He could be in a five, whatever. Uh, we have a rush. The rush is a D end outside linebacker combo guy. Here's another reason why I believe this now. It, and it took me a long time to come around. I look back at Eastern Illinois in 2010 and 11, we had a guy that would have been perfect in the rush, uh, with the rush that I use now that we made him put his hand on the ground that he would have been a much more effective player now than he was back then um there's so many more of him right the taller longer skinnier guys the basketball players that come out for football now uh instead of you know at buffalo we had five dns that i coached that'll be in the nfl at some point it's hard to find that man you know yeah. the 6'4 275 pound dn is not as easy to find as the 6'4 210 pound outside linebacker dn combo guy yeah right so He's their best pass rusher, and he can drop in coverage. Now, the way I look at it is he's a DN that can drop in coverage. Some guys look at that as an outside backer who can rush, and I think uh, I'd rather have the DN who can drop because you still got to be physical in the run game. Two D tackles, a nose, and a tackle. The tackle's the more athletic of the two. You'd like them to be interchangeable, but most likely you're going to have a bigger nose who can play the A-gap techniques and a zero, and the tackle can be a three or a four I. Uh, three linebackers, the Sam, who's interchangeable with the nickel. Yeah. Uh, and he lines to the field. The Mike and then the Will goes to the boundary. I think if you could have two long athletic ideal safeties, uh, but if you don't, if you have one that's a little bit stiffer, maybe not quite as fast, he would go to the boundary as the strong safety. The field goes to the uh, free safety goes to the field. And then two corners, one that goes field and boundary, unless they're both really good. Like we had at FAU, we had two really good guys. But if you have one that's much better, he's got to be the boundary guy because he could be on the island the most. 
Um, and some guys would structure it differently because that guy might be your tackler if you're going a lot of quarter, quarter, half. Um, now, all that being said, you've got to build the scheme off the strengths of your personnel, which I've come around a lot in the past, especially the last two years. You know, when you got guys that can't, you know, at Washington State, our, our DBs were not as athletic or good as the ones we had at FAU. We couldn't play as much press man and man free and things like that and live and die in it, right? But we yeah. had pretty good zone guys. Um, and then you might not have the, 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 the front capability of a rush. So you got to structure it differently. So you got to be able to be flexible in my opinion, but that's ideally what I'd like to have and be able to jump in and out of three and four down fronts, playing some quarters, playing some cover three, some man free, some Tampa two and passing situations, and then being very multiple in our pressure package. I didn't really put a whole lot of scheme into the, um, into this PowerPoint, Nick, uh, yeah. I didn't know, you know, how much time we'd have. And you could talk about one front for four hours. <laughs> hey, that, so. Coach, that is the truth. I mean, heck, you can break down one coverage for four hours. Like, it's, it's, right, yeah. I mean, depends so. on how deep you want to get it. Um, but it, And you mentioned you didn't get much there. But um, is, there, is there a specific coverage you personally prefer to, with this personnel that you, your ideal personnel? Well, I mean, I, I really like quarters in certain situations. Um, I think there's a place for it. Back at FAU back then, we, we tried to live and die and get really good at it and be really good fundamentally. And I don't know that you can necessarily do that as much anymore um, with the, you know all the spread we have. So some cover three, uh, the, the zone coverage is to me, okay, quarters is a matchup zone. It's almost yes. like man, all that. The zone coverage is the three deeps, however you're running them, whether it's an eight-man drop or a seven-man drop. To me, those are spot drops. I think it's really hard to get good. You guys always ask me about, you know, the three-match, which I think is a great coverage, okay? Uh, I think it's hard to get good at a three-match and a quarters. That Those two are really expensive coverages. So if you do one and you have a change-up coverage uh, some other way, if you do three-match and your change-up coverage is an easier quarters adjustments, Okay, yeah. if you're majoring in quarters, your cover threes need to be a little bit simpler. I like spot drop cover three, where we let those guys be athletes. You know, we recruit them on film because they're athletes. Drop to a spot, burst, settle, break. Um, you know, we talk to them about the numbers that they're relating to and dropping off and all those things, but it takes a little bit of pressure off those corners and safeties, closes the middle of the field a little bit. But you can't live and die in that either or man-free because those quarterbacks are so good. Yeah. They, they, they're they the extra number, right? And now your middle of the field safety has to make a tackle on the quarterback or you're going to be in big trouble at the end of the day. So I really like to mix it up. You know, I want, I want to really get good at a little bit of quarters, a little bit of cover three, and a little bit of man-free as those those three things that you, you really want to major in. Okay, Coach. Okay. All right, so regardless of position – you know, we always talk about the cycle of a play, and that's every play, win every play. The last play is over, let's play the next one. So the, the whistle just blew, the last play is over, we get our eyes to the sideline. Okay, we got to get the call. Get the signal, understand the call, exactly what that call means to you so that you can do your job. And there's nothing worse as a coach than when the guy says, I didn't get the call. <laughs> so, you know, well, what, what do you play when you don't know the call, right? So get the call, know what it means, do your job. Alignment is the second second phase okay each call requires an exact alignment in our defense get lined up know the situation and down a distance then see the formation have an idea okay if the back is away from me it may be run at me if the back is to me i may be whatever i'm falling back to quarterback or i'm chasing or whatever you're doing in your your uh, design if it's 
you know, a three by two spread set, most likely going to be passed for most teams. If it's four by one spread set with the back offset to the trips, it's probably going to be some type of RPO. So, you know, that, that alignment phase, you're, you're processing a lot of information quickly and you're trying to get lined up and you may even be executing a disguise in that alignment phase. So that's a critical phase in the play. <clears throat> the stance, you know, getting a comfortable stance that allow you to see your key and execute the proper responsibility. I think D-line, I think you have to have to spend a lot of time on stances, um, you know, maybe pad level at the, the second and third level. And if you're playing press, you know, the stance may be a little bit more important. Uh, but I just want the guys to be comfortable, you know, be comfortable so you can read your key and execute your job at the at the second and third level. OK, the next phase is your key. OK, your eyes are the key to success. Your keys will never lie to you. Eye violations are going to get you in trouble. If you're a quarter safety and you're supposed to be reading number two and you're looking at the quarterback and that number two, you don't know where he released, you're going to be in trouble. If you're the linebacker, you're supposed to key flow the back to the guards and you're looking at the, the wide receiver to see his split and you're peeking around looking at things you shouldn't, you're going to be out of position. You're not going to be able to do your job. Your key is not very, very infrequently is your key going to go one direction and the ball going the other one. So uh, we didn't make this stuff up. Guys, 50 years ago made up what your key should be, <laughs> and, and it's held true for the most part. So um, read your key. Next one is responsibility. you got to execute your role in the defense. 11 has one. 11 pluses on, an, on every play is going to be tough to beat. Secure your gap first, your man, your zone. Turn it loose. Go crazy. So like you said, if you're an eraser, you better make sure your gap is, is covered before you fall back to make up for somebody else's mistake. The ball is always going to find you when you're wrong. So yeah. let's make, make sure you're doing your job. And then the last one is produce. So, you know, the acronym for this is call alignment stance, key responsibility, produce, casker. Um, I, I, I think that produce part is, is important, right? So I think I could go out on the field. I can get the call. I can get lined up correctly. I can get a good stance uh, for the most part. <laughs> I can read my key. Okay. I probably could hold my gap. I probably could do my job, uh, probably get run by, but I, I probably could do my job, but I'm not going to make a damn play. Same token, you know, some really talented freshman that comes in off the street, he's probably going to go, go out there and line up in the middle of the field and run around and make a bunch of tackles, but nine times out of ten he's going to be wrong because he doesn't know the defense. So if you can't do the first five, you can't get on the field. And if you can only do the first five and not make any plays, you're not good, good to us anyway. So – um, it's, it's very important to be able to, to be, do all six yeah. phases to me. All right. I think, uh, and again, I structured this to try to help people get something out of it. Right. So great organizations speak the same language. Okay. So below delivery and block destruction. Um, and, and I didn't get to do this at either of the last two spots because we didn't get to do it in the off season, but you need to be teaching the same fundamentals to all three levels of the defense. You're going to get what you emphasize. And I think if you emphasize this year round, uh, at Coach Meyer at, at Ohio State, you know, Chris Ashkin, good friend of mine. We got it from him. They called it the uh, the uh, they call it the difference. We called it the edge at FAU. You know, our hands, wrists, and elbows are tight. Our hands are inside the blocker's hands. If you get inside control on that blocker, I don't care if you're a corner, a linebacker, or a D end, you should be able to get off the block and make a play. So I think having a, a, a systematic way to do that at, with your defense, all three levels, and teaching them and using the same language, I think is important. So we call that the edge tackling. Again, I didn't get to do this the last two stops, teach the same system to all three levels. To me, we are putting tools in your toolbox. So if we tell you, Nick, you're going out in the field, we're going to put tools in your toolbox. You decide how to use them in terms of tackling. Okay. Yeah. 
we, we will have defined leverage in our tackling. We always want to try to get a two-on-one tackle. So we're going to have a force tackler who sets the edge of the defense. Everybody else is really a fill tackler inside out. So we should have two guys converging on the ball carrier, force and fill tacklers. We have cutback players, and then we have touchdown savers. The touchdown saver is going to be the backside DN and the backside corner. They're going to make sure all 20 other guys, other than me and that other pal of mine, they're going to make sure all 20 guys are inside and in front of me. So we're going to save reverses and uh, throwbacks and things like that. So we define those in every coverage, having a force player, a field player, a cutback player, and a touchdown saver in our tackling. Well, I think that's a a mistake a lot of teams – make is they don't use a lot of and, and I think especially high schools is when they're talking especially special teams to defense they don't necessarily always have that common language when they're talking tackling and I think especially doing special teams for two years like I did I think that's more important than anything is make sure my whatever language the defense is using for their tackling incorporate that and incorporate or modify as many drills as possible to show them at in a special team situation that necessarily don't I don't think everybody necessarily thinks about that as much as they should. Yeah, I agree with you. Chris Hurd, who's a special teams coordinator at Akron, he was with us at FAU, and he came in and wanted to know what we called our this tackle or this blow delivery so he could use it in special teams and enforce it that way because there was carryover. And I can tell you my last two stops, we haven't spoken the same language, and that's one thing. You know, as you sit here and you try to think, what would I do better the next time I coach? Um, it's we, we, we didn't speak that same language because – Again, I took over in the middle of the year, right? And if, yeah. if I can't spit out my terminology fast, we, we got no chance. And then you got, well, we called it with Coach Grinch this, with Coach Clays, we called it this. And there's a lot of terms flying around, right? And I think it's important, man, to get all being sure we're on the same page. So tackling, again, peck to peck. My Again, my leverage peck. So if I'm inside out and I got to keep the ball on my left shoulder, my left peck will go to his right peck. So I'll go peck to peck tackle. There's a time to go high, wrap up drive our feet okay there's a time to go low and, and or you can get hurdled like uh, the guy against the uh, Notre Dame shoulder to the thigh okay they we used to call this eyes to the thigh well I think if you're putting your eyes on the thigh you're putting your head down that's, that's putting kids in danger now so if you put the shoulder on the thigh I think you're a lot better off so shoulder to the near or leverage thigh whichever one it is force fill uh, and, and and if he's coming towards you shoulder to the thigh wrap and drive if he's running away from you now we've got to go wrap and gator roll okay so that would be shoulder to the thigh and wrap and gator and i don't really care which way they gator uh it just get them on the ground and then there's a lawnmower tackle that we'll put in their toolbox a latch ditch effort to swipe his feet and save a touchdown and trip him up so we'll, we'll drill that too so again these are the tools we're giving you man you make a decision to make the tackle the best way you think you know how Obviously, a, a linebacker on the one-yard line is not going to try to gator tackle somebody straight at him. He's got to go high and go peck to peck and run his feet. So, again, we've got to we've got to put all those tools in your toolbox. Again, same language, you know, box. To me, box is containing all blocks, forcing the ball back inside, and we do that defined by our coverage. Spill is a old-school wrong arm, bouncing the ball to the outside defender. Again, that's defined by the coverage. And I've heard guys say it a, a bunch of different ways. It's just make sure we're on the same. I don't care what we call it. Let's make sure we're on the same page when we call it box or spill or contain or wrong arm, right? Uh, all the offensive formations, right? So some guys are calling it one thing. Some guys are calling, you know, a two-by-two two quarterback under center thing could be doubles pistol to one guy and Detroit to another guy. Well, we've got to make sure we're saying the same thing formationally so our players aren't confused. 
and we know what we're talking about when we're trying to make adjustments. The plays they're running, zone read, you hear zone option on, on TV, right? It's not, there's no such thing. It's zone read or it's, <laughs> or whatever you want to call that play. And then also your techniques, um, uh, scooch versus inch might be the same thing for, for a safeties coach. But we got to you know make sure we're talking the same language. I just think it's really important for the players and coaches to force themselves to use the same terminology. If you speak different languages, it gets lost in translation, and you might he might be asking you a question that you, you don't you think he's asking you something else. Takeaways: We take the ball away. They don't turn it over to us. We take it away from them. We earn everything we get. Okay, so I th- I hate when guys call them turnovers. No, 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 that, that's a takeaway. So let's get them. And then loafs and other coaching points, and then your non-negotiables. You know, whatever we agree on as a staff is a loaf or uh, whatever our non-negotiables are from our players. Let's define it. Let's hold them yeah. accountable to it. Let's make sure all of those non-negotiables and loaves, are, we're all using the same language. Okay. And then if, if today's effort or when we go on the field and we really, we need more effort out of the guys, we're, we're worried about their effort. We all be every on effort, every play, finish every play. Let's be physical. If we need to be more physical, be more aggressive, be more confident. Let's, let's talk about it before we hit the field. What are we really trying to infl- uh, uh, emphasize today to get better at so we're all speaking the same language? So I hope all that makes sense, what I was talking about. Yeah. Okay, meeting philosophy. Um, and it's good, the way I start my meetings off, I, uh, what, what, however you want to do it, but I, I always walk in, you know, the guys might be milling around or whatever, and I'll say ready, and they'll say ready, and I'll say when, and they'll say now. So ready means our feet are okay. Fun times over. Well, not really, but get our feet on the floor, get our notebooks open. Let's get ready to take notes, get ready to get better. Win now means win right now, this meeting, right this second, let's focus on this meeting. Then we'll focus on going out to practice. We'll win practice. Each play of practice practice is over. We got to go win our homework, our study session, time with our girlfriend, time on the phone, my mom, whatever it is that, that we're going to focus on winning, right? We win enough now throughout the day. We've had a great day. Then we'll have a great week. Then we'll have a great month, a great year, a great career, a great life. So that's how I start off all my meetings for whatever that's worth. Um, but I think the greatest transition for a high school player is is conditioning himself to go through these long meetings. Uh, I think that's the biggest adjustment they have is, is all the scheme and everything that we do in the long meetings. We've got to have ample class time for those meetings, but not every player is going to learn on the board and he's not going to learn from your film. You may have to shut down that meeting and go out to the field and walk through some things to get him to understand it. Like to have the guys dressed in team gear for the meetings if possible. I think we want to create an atmosphere for learning, um, <clears throat> provide them with some study tips, use different methods for however they learn, get them to concentrate, take a break in the meeting, let them go get a drink of water, take a social media break for a couple of minutes. You know, they're, they're, these days the attention span is a little bit lower. So let's, uh, let's take a couple of breaks and get them out of there early if we can. Enforce discipline with the notebooks and all that. And then just have some fun, man. Enjoy the process. There's a time in these meetings to be loose and have fun and connect with each other, each player, each coach. Let, let's have fun. You know, we're, we're in this thing for hours every day. It better be fun or it's going to be drudgery. Yeah. Okay. Now when the meeting is over, I'll say ready and they'll say ready and then we'll clap it out. We give three claps. That means the meeting's over and we adjourn. So I think it's important to have a, you know, you set in the tone for your, for your day with these meetings. Yeah. Practice, practice is everything. It's where we compete to be the best. Um, practice every day like it's Saturday. I talk about that all the time. And for, I guess for you, it would be Friday, right? Practice yeah. every day like it's game day. It's the only way you get to be better is by practicing at game speed. We're going to focus on tempo, effort, fundamentals, and execution. 
we'll fix the mistakes in the meeting. To me, the practice is about repetition. The meetings are where you're fixing mistakes. How we practice and how we show up to work every day on the field says a lot about our personal character and that character of our defense. I think our coaches will set the tone at practice. We're going to be, we're going to bring energy. We're going to bring passion. We're going to bring excitement. They must do the same. They've got to match our, our effort and intensity. We coach effort and leverage first. Okay. If they overrun the ball, that's, that's a big deal. We got to make sure they're, they're taking proper angles of the football with, with hundred percent effort. And then we'll correct the mistakes when we can three tempos in practice is tag tempo. We're just going to tag below the waist, um, <clears throat> not grabbing anybody, not touching the quarterback, any of that stuff. We'll either tag below the waist or we'll attempt to strip one or the other. Both are acceptable, um, but but not touching him is not acceptable. That's one of the non-negotiables. Second one is thud tempo. So in thud tempo, if we can see the runner's eyes, he's running right at us and we can see his eyes, we're going to go peck to peck with our proper leverage, wrap up, and then let him go. Stop his stop his progress and then let him go. If we're running in pursuit and we can't see his eyes, we're coming from the side, thud tempo turns into tag tempo because we don't want a lot of bodies on the ground. So coming from the side, you can't see his eyes, just tag or strip. Um, again, no, no grabbing, no uh, twisting and all that stuff. We're trying to keep guys off the ground. But if we can, let's thud him up and run our feet. And then there's live tempo where we'll tackle to the ground and also be um, – expecting some cuts in those situations and then our D line needs to work on those. So, okay. Uh, <clears throat> so we'll grade every rep in spring and fall camp pluses and minuses and then some production when, when we're making tackles, when it's live, we'll, we'll grade tackles, missed tackles, made tackles, all that takeaways, PBUs. I think, you know, some guys don't even grade games anymore. And to me, that's lazy. And that's, uh, yeah. If, if if you're if Nick if you're going against Brock and you guys are competing at a job and uh, and I can give you you know here Nick you graded out ninety three percent and your effort level was ninety eight percent and your um you, you're you're made the make the play grade your tackle you were you were seven out of nine and Rock you were at eighty four percent and your effort level was still ninety eight percent your make the play grade was like sixty five percent who do you think I should start Yeah, <laughs> so, exactly. So, you know, they, they determine the depth chart when you grade it. Okay, we grade and hold accountable for loaves and mental errors. And then uh, I think, you know, again, some things that you want your defense to stand for. If the ones are taking the field, the ones are taking the field together, they're in a huddle, they're going to get a break, and then they're going to run out on the field, and then we'll signal them the call unless we give them to it. When that series is over, the ones are going to run all the way off the field. The twos are going to get a break, and they're going to take the field like champions and execute their, their set of reps it's those little things like that, I think, emphasizes unity, togetherness, and accountability. I'm taking the field as a champion. I'm going out there. I'm going to do my best on these reps. I'm going to be locked in, and you can count on me. And I think we uh, practicing celebrating with our teammates. Like you see the guys here uh, celebrating after a takeaway there. I want to practice that in, in practice and have some fun with it. You know, and Coach Leach was good about letting the guys spike the ball and and uh, things like that, the offensive guys, when they score, they'll throw it against the, the side wall. And you know what? It's, it's about having some fun, okay? As long as you aren't doing something stupid in the game, let's have some fun in practice and enjoy our time out there and celebrate with our teammates. So that's that's uh, that's what I had for my uh, defensive uh, thing there. Nick, you got any questions on any of that? Um, I, I, mean, I mean, you hit on a lot of the stuff I had written down to ask. Um, but obvi obviously, I mean, that's – Kind of actually go back to me for, for, for me, go back to the in terms of meetings. Um, 
How detailed does that, what, it, I mean, obviously those are your kind of overall atmosphere and meeting philosophy, but what does an actual meeting look like for you from once you got get ready to go to before you get ready and clap it out? Okay. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I take, uh, it's probably like being a teacher. I have a meeting agenda. Um, and I learned this with Charlie Partridge. We turn in the agenda to him and, um, it keeps you on track for what you want to get done in that meeting, all your bullet points. Right. So, uh, and then with the EXO system, I love the, you could type the notes in there. So whatever, whatever film clip I have on there, it'll have the note at the bottom. Cause sometimes you forget, why did I put this clip in there? It'll have the note on there. And you can just, and if you have PowerPoints, you, you, whatever install you have for the day. Yeah. So we, we may have an install slide and then a couple of uh, video clips of what we're installing that we can talk about and teach on. And then at the end, there may be some practice clips from the day before with the notes on there or what they did wrong. Now, I tell the guys, um, I expect them to have practice watched before they come to meeting the next day, right? If, they, yeah. if they're at home, they can watch it. And hopefully I'll be done with the notes and they can watch it with the notes attached to that or they could watch it in the morning the next day with the notes, but then I'm going to hit on the ones that they really need to see, right? I'm not going to show them every play of practice, but that that's usually how it works. We, we would go with the install of the day, whatever, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, third down, whatever it is. Okay. So we'll have our install clips on, and I'm about, all about the, the PowerPoints and the video um, draw on the board when we have to, but cause I think that's how kids learn these days. Yeah. Um, go through the install then go through the practice clips because again, I've expected them to watch those practice clips. So if I don't get to some of that stuff, they should have already seen it. And then, then we'll go take the field. Uh, if there's any questions at the end, we'll obviously answer those, but that's, that's usually how I structure that meeting. Um, sometimes as a coordinator, I, I don't like to do this during the week as much anymore, but you, there may be something that you need to get off your chest, uh, that, that some of the non-negotiables, uh, we, we didn't do a good job with that the day before and we need to meet together as a defense and then we'll split up. But I don't like taking away the meeting time because there's too much other, we don't have a lot of time and we got a lot of things to get through, but every once in a while we need to do that. We will meet as a full defense on uh, Sundays or Mondays, whatever, depending on your day off and then Friday day before the game. But I, I try not to meet as much during the, during the week anymore. I used to meet every day. We'd always start off with a defensive meeting and, and that was a huge mistake. Now that I look back. Yeah, and then I, I want to ask you real quick about some linebacker stuff before we go because obviously, sure. obviously you've spent a good portion of your career um, coaching linebackers um, amongst other positions, obviously. But I, I think I think linebackers for you were one of the, the more. For, for, let's start off with uh, I mean, from a fundamental standpoint, what are your kind of non-negotiables for your linebackers? Oh, non-negotiables. Okay, yeah, would be a number one, um, just doing your job and doing it within the scheme, okay? Uh, we're not freelancing out there. And it may look at times like a guy is freelancing, and I want to make sure we nip that in the bud the next next meeting that we have. Like, hey, Aziz, man, you know, you're the B-gap defender here, and you're making the tackle in the opposite C-gap. As long as he gives me the right answer that, yeah, coach, I, I knew I saw the back cut back. I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. You know, trust is a two-way street, right? And I start at yes. I don't start at no. Um, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt and then, until they prove that they can't earn that. So um, doing your job within the system, playing hard, no loafs, um, th those are the non-negotiables. You know, the ability to make a tackle or, or make a play, everyone's going to make mistakes. I don't think you can include those in your non-negotiables, but the effort, the attention to detail, and wanting to do their jobs, those are the things that we really need to focus on. Okay. 
and and then, and then from a fundamental standpoint, um, what are your base kind of everyday drills to develop your kids? Sure, yeah, uh, and, and I'm glad you said that. Um, I think you know, coaching linebackers, a lot of it is based on on what you do schematically, right? Yeah. There's certain linebacker things you're not going to be able to do, um, or you're going to have to emphasize different things based on your scheme. To me, I break them down into agility drills, technique drills, tackling drills, and then blow delivery and block destruction drills. So I want to do one agility drill at least every day, okay? Some type of change of direction, um, at least one a day, depending on how much time we have. Technique drills is all going to be based on what your install of the day is for the most part. Tackling, you know, we, again, we got to put those tools in the toolbox and we'll, we'll do some of those multiple times a week along with blow delivery. So, Perfect. all right, so here's the everyday drill I call garbage cans. It's usually the first thing we do every day. So the defender is here on the right, Jihad with the longer hair. He's, he's going to shuffle, shuffle, and then we're going to work on a shock and shit. Yeah. Okay, so he's shocking, hands, wrists, and elbows tight. Helmet of my screws, even with his chin, shock, lockout, pull, and rip. Good. Okay, next one. Shock, pull, rip. Shock, pull, rip. So we're working on some blow delivery. Okay. And then that second guy goes, shock, pull, rip. Pretty good job. We want to work on trying to clear our hip when we rip past the, the uh, blocker. But again, just blow delivery. So we call it, this is the start of garbage cans. Okay. Um, now, the second time through, I'll go back to when Jihad's back at the top. The second time through, again, tools in the toolbox, there's going to be a time where we don't want to engage the blocker. We want to use our speed. So this is just shuffle, shuffle, rip. Tickle the grass with your fingers, rip and run through. It might be taking the backside run through. It might be, uh, you know, the, the, the ball carrier. Let me try to freeze it. So maybe, maybe you see the ball carriers in the hole already and you feel like you can rip and run through and go low on them and make a tackle for loss. So there's going to be different times. Uh, the guy at Clemson last year, that linebacker they had, I can't remember his name, he was really good at this, um, attacking downhill and getting in on the ball carrier's feet. So again, another tool that we put in the, the toolbox. The third time through, okay, so the third time through here, we're going to go tackle, peck-to-peck -peck tackle. So Jihad is the right leverage player. He's going to use his right peck. He's going to wrap up to the uh, to the ball carrier's right peck, roll our hips, and drive our feet. Okay, so just working our peck-to-peck -peck tackle technique in the hole. And then we'll go the other way, to the other side. Okay. Fourth time through, we're going to work some pass rush. So he's just working a club rip. Whatever hands move you want to move, use, uh, we give them a couple of things we'll do in camp. We'll work some drills to give them some of these moves. But we want to work some pass rush every day. There's a two-hand swipe, uh, whatever they think they can be good at. Or if there's something they want to work and get better at. So we'll work some pass rush into garbage cans. So these are everyday drills that we'll do every single day. Pads, no pads, don't care. We're, we're doing these things come hell or high water uh, every day. I love the shuffle breaks. I'm not a big apparatus guy. But we're, we're shuffling. And then we're going to, I train them like DBs, um, train the linebackers like DBs because a lot of it is played in space these days, right? Yeah. So we're going to do a lot of, of uh, breaking and change of direction. So we're shuffling to our right. We're putting our right foot down, try to get all our cleats in the ground and break straight downhill. Okay, we're shuffle, shuffle. We see an open window, we're attacking downhill, putting our right foot in the ground, attacking downhill. Then we'll do it to the left also. Okay, now we're working, it's almost like a counter read. Okay, we're shuffling to, to our left. Then we're going to put our left foot in the ground and change direction back to the right. 
Again, we want no wasted movement. Plant drive. Plant drive. Play fast in space. Okay, so we want to plant off that left foot, drive back across with the right. Okay, and then we'll go uh, and we'll go the opposite direction. Okay, so here, this is, uh, I've, I've changed this uh, now. We don't run downhill anymore because you don't really do that at linebacker, but we're, this is a play action type drill. We'll shuffle, shuffle downhill. Then we're going to put our right foot in the ground and burst back for depth, trying to get underneath a dig or something. Okay, so we'll shuffle, shuffle, shuffle instead of running and then burst. We'll do that to the right end with our right foot and with our left foot, working on some play action. Here they are with the left foot, shuffle, shuffle, burst. Good. This was St. Patrick's Day. That's why I had the green shirt on. <laughs> so it's, uh, yeah. So anyway, I knew that was, uh, I know you'd love to hear that. So anyway, now we're working on reading a draw. Okay. We're opening, so yeah. our spot drop, putting our left foot in the ground, working back straight downhill, working on a draw read, basically. Okay. So yeah. it's just footwork drills that they're doing different than the W drill or something like that. Just trying to make them do the same drill, but do it differently. So it's not boring, <laughs> I guess. So there is to the right and the left. And then the last one that I like to do is, uh, this is more for, this is really good for special teams. Okay. So he's running straight at me and I'm going to break him one way or the other. So we're, you know, we're playing again. It maybe it's reading a bubble screen or something like that. Straight at me, put your right foot in the ground and go flat. Here's the W drill. I'll show you a couple of these real quick. Okay. And, and sometimes I'll let the guys vary the depth in their drops. So if you just do it one, two, three, every time you're not getting any better, if you're doing it the same level every time, you're not changing how you're breaking. So I want the guys to go one time, they read three step, one time they're getting back to five yards, maybe they're getting back to seven. Vary the depth in your drops, plant off the right foot, drive with the left foot. Yeah. No wasted movement. Okay, for Jihad, he he didn't like the T-step that I taught. Okay. okay, that's his prerogative. He's a good football player, so I'm not as hard-headed as I used to be. So he's going to do it the way he feels more comfortable doing it. And if, if that doesn't help him be a better player, well, that's on him, right? But he's still one of our best guys. I'm going to put him out there. But 37, he's going to do it exactly the way I taught it, right? Plant off the left foot and drive him. 51 is going to do it exactly the way I taught it. 52, he can play DN now. But um, so we're working on our W drill there. I think a lot, everybody does that. This was another way to do our garbage cans. We're just working on taking on an angle block. Okay, hands, wrists, and elbows tight, hands inside. So we're like a cutback player in the A gap here, keeping our eyes on the backside and the ball is showing up in our gap. Um, or we're redirecting off a block. There's a bunch of different combo drills you're doing with this. So we're doing an angle below delivery one here. I do want to show you uh, two more things with below delivery. Okay, the high low block. I like this one. The players hate it. One's gonna, <laughs> one guy's gonna come high. I'll tell me whether to go high or go low. Because I think if you make them uncomfortable in a game, they don't know. Maybe you can't cut as much anymore, but you never know. You may yeah. have to play off somebody on the ground. I like to change it up. So this is Aziz. He plays for the 49ers now. This was his true freshman year. He's playing off two cuts, and the third one's going to be high. So we're working on defeating yeah. blocks and giving them a different look. I love that. But I want to show you this one because I think a lot of guys will like this. This is how we started off practice every day at Washington State with what Coach Leach called it, bull in the ring. Okay, and, and we did it differently at FAU. The, the skill guys wouldn't be down in the three-point stance, but Coach Leach likes to run a tough, tough program, right? Yeah. And uh, it, it's, it, I like it because from the blow delivery aspect, you better get your hands, wrists, and elbows in tight or you're going to get your ass kicked and get embarrassed in front of your teammates. So, you know, maybe not perfect technique, but you see those guys trying to drive each other. 
And if they have inside control like 37 does there, he's really beating the hell out of 51. So we, we did that every day. We'd do that. And it didn't matter if you're a starter, backup, even the kickers did it uh, as a toughness type thing. And, and I loved it because it forced our guys to get their hands inside. Okay. Um, let me show you a run reach drill that I like to do a lot. I call it zone or pull. Okay, where's my pause? All right, let me try to set it up for you. So I got a ball carrier back here behind the, the two guards are in front of the garbage cans. These guys are playing guard. We key the back through the line. Okay. So for the purpose of the drill, 37 over here is a left shade on 51. 41 is a left shade on Jihad with the longer hair. Those are their gaps if it's zone. So I'll either give them zone downhill at them while they'll come down, shock the blocker in a dummy fashion, or I'll give them a counter look. Yeah. So we're key in the back. Okay, it's zone. I'm going to come attack my gap, right? Next one, key in the back. Oh, pull, pull, pull. So, I, you know, I like to train the guys on, on getting their eyes trained back. Like, they got to have pilot vision. You can't be so tunnel vision where you're looking straight at your key and that's all you see. So train your eyes back and see the whole picture. And if you see a pull, say pull, pull, pull. So your buddy knows it's a pull and we can react to the counter play. But I think you play faster at linebacker when you key the backs. So that's why I want to key the backs. We do this key drill quite a bit so we can work on um, just, just feeling the keys. It's not The fit is not the important thing as it is training your vision. Does that make sense? Yeah. We started this in the bowl game at, at uh, Washington State. This is an off-season progression, okay? And I was hoping I'd get another off-season to start it in January. And I wanted to introduce it in the bowl game so that the guys could get better at it for the next year. But we didn't really have a uniform way of tackling and I was trying to get it installed, right? So you start off uh, with your near knee up on the guy. We're working on low tackles here. If you see this picture, he's a right shade player. He's going shoulder to the thigh, wrap and drive him onto the bag, okay? Onto the, onto the whatever that thing is, <laughs> pad. Okay, so we just... We're wrapping and driving. Okay, now the second phase of this, we're keeping our leverage. You see 57 over here. We back him up to about three yards. He's crawling, and then he's going to wrap and drive him onto the bag. Keeping his leverage, wrap and drive. The ball carrier is running straight at you. Keep your leverage, wrap and drive. Pretty good there. Here we go. Okay, then we'll back him up. We'll back him up, and it's a shimmy, 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 wrap and drive. So now we've simulated that we're in pursuit. We've get, we came in pursuit. We get our base back. We shimmy our feet. We keep our feet moving. We don't use the words break down. That's another language thing. Shimmy, 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 wrap and drive. Okay, then we back them up to the cone, and now they'll sprint and then shimmy as they get closer to the ball carrier, wrap and drive. You'll see 13 do it right here. Sprint, shimmy, get your base back, wrap and drive. Again, training, training some good habits. Um, of getting your base back, wrapping and driving. That was way too high by 82 over here. All right. Uh, so now, and then, then we'll go to another part of the progression. We're actually in pursuit. Here is the ball carrier. He's going to run or walk. We're going to keep our leverage and wrap and drive. We have, we've gotten our base back at the cone. We're going to shimmy, keep our leverage. This man in the red coat is the outside tackler. I am the filled tackler. So I'm going to keep my leverage, keep my head on my leverage side, wrap and drive them onto the bag. Okay. And that's, that's the, the, the shimmy uh, low tackling progression to keep it in the low tackling progression family. I'm going to go to my gator tackle progression 
and this is a pretty good visual on what a gator tackle should look like. Okay. Uh, you're not just uh, swiping a guy's legs, you're wrapping his legs and you're rolling with them. Okay. You're going to wrap up on his legs and then you're going to roll and get his ass under the water and eat him. Right. It's not a, not a little uh, salamander tackle. It's an actual alligator tackle. Okay. So now we're shimmying towards the bag. We're going to wrap it and roll. I don't really care which way they roll. I really don't. Keep your head on the leverage side because you should have help on the other side. Wrap and roll. Shimmy, wrap and roll. Okay. Now there's times, okay, where, where, where you don't have to shimmy because that guy's running full speed and he's running away from you. So after we shimmy to both sides, we back him up and we run, make him run with the bag. And then again, he's running away from you. You're not going to be able to shimmy. Sprint gator. Okay. So again, putting some tools in their toolbox, letting them make a decision, full speed and space, how they want to react. So they don't have to think about it, but we're working our gator, gator tackle progression there. Okay. Yeah. Um, now the shimmy tackle progression, peck to peck tackle. Okay. We, we do it in garbage cans, but this is a, a whole defensive thing too. All right. We're about three yards away from the ball carrier. We're going to shorten our stride. We've gotten our base back short, short, shorten our stride, go wrap up peck to peck roll our hips and drive our feet for three steps. We have no pads on here. So we're just, you know, it's not a big contact thing. It's a technique thing. Shimmy, 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 wrap and drive. Now this 37 here, bad, bad because he's head up on him. We need to be peck to peck. All right. He should have his right peck on the ball carrier's right peck like this guy does. So shimmy, 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 wrap and drive. Okay. And we'll do it to the right side. We'll do it with left leverage next. Shimmy, 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 wrap and drive. Okay, great. Then we'll back him up. Okay, to the top of the numbers, sprint, sprint, shimmy with your leverage, wrap and drive. <clears throat> There's going to be a time out in space even that you're going to want to go high and not want to go low. So, um, again, putting tools in the toolbox. So we go sprint, shimmy, peck to peck, wrap and drive. All right, so th those, are the, in, in a nutshell, those are the two tackling progressions that I really, really believe in. And then there's the lawnmower tackle, the last ditch, save a touchdown. Um, okay, we drill this, we just swipe the bag, try to get them to land on their back so they don't hurt their, hurt their shoulder. And uh, <clears throat> we'll do both ways with the right arm or the left arm, okay, and land on their back. Uh, I don't think I have the example. Uh, I remember at FAU, and I probably have it on that other video at FAU. The first year we did this, I had a freshman linebacker, Jared Ward said, coach, why are we doing this? Why, why are we doing this? This, this is stupid. And then uh, in the third game of the year, I think it was against Charlotte, one of our D tackles does it for a sack. And then yeah. Jared Ward actually did it against middle Tennessee, saved the touchdown on a fly sweep with a, with a lawnmower tackle. And he said, I, I understand why we did that drill now, coach. So um, that, that's, that's uh Stupid story for you. But anyway, here's one more tackling drill that I love. We call it rubber band. All right, so let me try to figure out. Okay, so we'll, we'll do it. This is a progression also. This is the tackler over here at the cone. This is the ball carrier. We'll start off doing this drill. He's shooting his rubber band. If you shot a rubber band in class, your student was probably getting in trouble. You, uh, I would hope you'd punish him. But if you do it, you're shooting it right at the leverage thigh of that, that man, right? So you're aiming right at that thigh, and you'll adjust your angle depending on how, where he goes. So sometimes we'll have the guy just stand there right at the cone and we're going full speed and then tag the hip. And this day he was walking, he'd start to walk. So we'd go full speed and then adjust our angle and tag the hip. So we call this the rubber band drill. 
Some people call it the leverage drill, whatever you want to call it. But yeah. we want to make sure we're taking a good angle to prevent cutback. So we maintain our leverage. And you'd be shocked at how many times, even in this half-speed drill, our guys would lose their leverage and, and hopefully learn a valuable lesson that I have help. Okay, and in, in this drill, the sideline is my help, but we're simulating that there's another guy over here to make that tackle if he cuts outside. So we call that the rubber band drill. Um, let me see if I can get to one where they're running. <clears throat> and then sometimes we tell them to, to run and stop or run. And, yeah, there he goes, run. Okay, one guy might run and stop, or he may just stay there the whole time, just try to keep him honest, right? So we're working that rubber band. And adjusting, you know, some of the guys think they're Barry Sanders and trying to. <laughs> oh, there's one, got him right. Losses left. The easiest drill, and it's it's because he's initially running over here because he doesn't trust his speed. And now he can't keep his leverage. So that's what we're trying to get done in that drill. Uh, and, and and we'll also do this two on one with two guys coming from both angles to keep leverage on the uh, ball carrier. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, those are the, the, the ones that I did. I mean, I have a ton of drills, right? But those are the ones I believe in the most and I think that are most appropriate to show here uh, somebody can maybe get something out of it. Now, I got, I got two last questions before we go, Coach. And first, um, what when you get linebackers from the high school level, what are the biggest or most common things you have to work on to help develop that maybe technique-wise um, need developed the most? Oh, technique wise, number one is, is using your hands. Um, <clears throat> in high school, usually they're, they're the most athletic guy on the field, right? And they're just running around blocks. The, the old linemen can't block them. They can't get to them. So I think using your hands and defeating blocks is probably the biggest thing um, that I see guys struggle with. The other thing is mental, is the mental part. You know, what do you mean box and spill? Uh, what do you mean um, I have to fit this play? Because some guys, they just they line them up in the middle of the formation, tell them to go tackle the ball. Uh, but now we need we need to fit 11 guys playing together, right? So and then, and then the mental grind of the meetings and the corrections and all that, those are the biggest adjustments to me. And, uh, you know, in 2015 at FAU, we, we had no choice. Uh, the, <laughs> We, we inherited a disaster. We had to start six freshmen. We started six freshmen that year, and that was when we were the most improved defense in the country. And one of them was Aziz Alshair, and he was a, a freshman All-American. Well, 192 pounds when he came in, played at about 198. Uh, <clears throat> and I think try, I, the thing we had to do with the young guys uh, when they have to play is you try to break it down as simple as you can just tell him what he needs to know. You don't have to tell him everything. He doesn't have to master the defense this year. Tell him what he needs to know to be functional. Yeah. And then give him some tools where he can play confident and play fast and uh, and let his ability take over. Um, I think those those are the big keys when, when you have to play a freshman. Obviously, you like to not have to play him, but sometimes they're more talented and you need to get them on the field. And you, you got to break it down because they the expectation level and the standard doesn't change. So you've got to change your standard. They maybe make some mistakes. You got to live with them. But if he's doing making plays and doing it within the scheme, you got to get him on the field to so break it down, make it simple for him. Okay. And then my last question for you is: um, for young DCs or new DCs, what advice would you give them? Oh wow! What advice? I uh, okay. I just took over at JUCO. I, I had this discussion with him a couple weeks ago. I think number one is um, you know take input but make sure that they know who's making the decision. 
because ultimately it's your ass on the line, right? Yeah. They're not going to, the, the fans, the, the whoever it is, the people on Twitter are not going to be criticizing the D-line coach. They're going to be on the coordinator. So you got to make sure that you take input from everybody, but you're going to make sure that you're doing it the way that you're comfortable with. Um, and I give the guys my position coaches. I let them coach their techniques the way they want to, as long as it fits within the, the structure of everything that I want. So, uh, and the other one is is be be uh, be like Bruce Lee, like water. Be um, I'm trying to think of the word. You know, just be be a little more flexible than maybe I was when I was young. Where you know we're not going to just run four down, and this isn't who we are and what we do. You you, you got to change some things. You have to adapt. And I'm not even talking year to year. I'm talking play to play in the game, right? You gotta, you gotta keep these offensive offensive guys guessing at times. You have to adjust some things, and you have to fit what fits your players the best. You know what you know does not matter. It's what they can execute on the field. So if if you're better off with a three down front, run it. If you're better off with four down, run it. If you're better off playing all man because you they can't complete many passes because you're great in man, run it. Be flexible. And uh, and don't be don't bury your head in the sand and be so hard headed about things. Yeah, you know I think that's uh, and be real with your players. You know, let them know when you make a mistake. Let them know about it because everybody makes mistakes. Okay, take ownership and when when you screw up a call or um, you you make a bad decision, take ownership in it and fix it. And if your players know you're doing that with yourself, I think um, that, that they'll be more open to criticism at times. Okay. Well, Coach, I, I appreciate you coming on and, and and talking not only how to coordinate a defense and, and linebacker play and linebacker drills, uh, but I, I appreciate you just spending the time and help, helping our coaches learn today. Um, coaches, his Twitter will be below, so if you want to give him a follow and reach out to him that way. Um, also, um, make sure you check out our sponsors and affiliates below. Um, just click on the link and they, you'll be able to access their stuff and see if you want to get a hold of see any of Alex Kirby's or uh, Kenny Simpson's stuff down there. Uh, if you want to go back and listen to any particular part of this episode, again, the tags are below. Uh, just click on it and it'll take you back to the part of the video that you need to listen to. and um, So you can hear Coach talk about either whether it be coordinated defense, linebacker drills, or uh, something else within that realm. Um, and then again, coaches, uh, like like the video, share the video, and subscribe to the channel. Um, it helps people find the videos and helps other coaches learn. Uh, thank you, and, and that was another episode of the Gap Down Backer Podcast. <laughs>